our series called Transformed. Have you all enjoyed the series so far? Those of you who've been here, is it, is it helping? I know it's helping, especially in the follow-through on Wednesday nights as we meet here as small groups of tables. We've had 10, and most of them have, have been full the, the two weeks that we have gone through this. You can still register, and we still have extra workbooks. You can still attend. It's 6.30 to 8-ish uh, p.m. Uh, so we are talking about a new subject today, and it's called Change Your Life by changing your mind. We talk about spiritual health because it all starts in your spiritual, uh, because until until you start to prosper spiritually, it's hard for your health, your body, et cetera, anything to really prosper there, uh, out from there, your life and your choices, et cetera. Then we talked about physical. We talked about being transformed in your physical body, but we really addressed stress. But on Wednesday, we talked about this body is the temple of God. It belongs to God. God gifted you with this body, with your body, to steward well for his purposes. So we talk a little bit about how we can steward what God has given us, and that's all things that God has given us, no matter it's finances, it's location, it's uh, relationships, it's whatever it is. If you, if you have it, God has gifted you with it to steward it according to his purpose and for his purposes. Now, the good news is you get to enjoy it. Yeah, he, he, give it, he gives it to you to enjoy, but to steward for his purposes as well. And so we're talking about changing your mind. We're talking about spirit, the healthy mind. And this is the biggest one. This is probably my favorite. Why? Because uh, if you're anything like me, I have wrestled a lot over my lifetime in the mind. Uh, I have, I'm one that most people, I think, have forty to 50,000 thoughts a day. I have about sixty to 80,000 thoughts a day. And my mind is just running. It runs. And so uh, I think a lot. I have a lot to think about. But over my time and, and the difficulties and the trials and the stressors and the things that I didn't understand in life, because of that, I had a lot of confused thinking affected my mind and it affect, affected my lifestyle and my life, my living, my choices, etc. So we're going to talk about that because nothing changes until you start changing your thoughts. Everything begins with a thought, and nothing changes until you ch start changing what you think and how you think. And so we're talking about Romans 12, 2, and it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let him transform you into, transform you into being into a new person by changing the way you think. Because God is far more interested in changing your mind than he is changing your circumstances. You got that? Because once God begins to change your mind and you begin to get renewed in the mind and you're transformed in your thinking, not according to culture, but according to how God is asking you to think and leading you to think, and what, how, how what God says about you and what God's word says and say, declares who you are and what you are here for. Once you start to be transformed in the mind, guess what's going to happen? Your circumstances are going to change. You're going to begin to see things from a different perspective, and you're actually going to be, be able to lead your life through circumstances that are actually going to produce a different circumstance or set of circumstances in your be going through difficult times, but it's the way that God begins to change your perspective that changes your circumstances or your uh, your perspective on that circumstance. So what what looked like hell may look like heaven, and the only thing that changes is your perspective, your the changing of your mind, your renewing of your mind. So we're going to break that that down a little bit. So nothing will change though in your life until you change your thoughts. So I'm going to skip into one. 
And number one, this thing you need to know is because my thoughts control my life. The, the, the reason, the reason you think that you're, you're or actually the reason your thoughts control your life is so you never, never will change anything until you change your thoughts. Proverbs 4.23 4, says this, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So my life begins in my thoughts. It doesn't begin externally. Your life is actually more internally than it is externally. A lot of times we're so we're, we're succumbed to things externally, but what happens is there's a thought that takes place internally, and from that point we begin to make decisions based on what we've how we've judged and how we've internalized what's going on outside. I'm gonna break that down. But the power of your thoughts is actually very has a tremendous ability to shape your life. There's a lot of power. But what, so why is it important? Because there are so many false truths that you've been told or you've believed about yourself that you actually have lived out of and they have begun to produce fruit or they have beginning had they have been producing fruit in your life. These could have been things that were told to you by a parent. It could have been things that were told to you by a friend. Could have been things that just kind of came through your mind and you thought, well, that's a that that's who I am. That's a that's a thought about me. And and you that's just a, a self-reflection of who you think you are. And you've actually made that a fact, a truth in your life. And from that dynamic, you shape your thinking, and then you begin to live out of that. Does that make sense? So many of us, all of us, are subject to that. And if you accept as fact what people or your own thoughts declare, whether right or wrong, your life has been impacted by them. It has. We, but we weren't, we weren't talking about feelings this week. We will discuss feelings next week. It's very important for us, and please don't miss next week, because it's, our, our, we, it's important that we become emotionally healthy, because that's where our feelings come out of our emotions, and it's important that we know about emotional intelligence. Anybody know what emotional intelligence? It's very important that you do know what emotionally emotional intelligence is. But we'll be talking about that next week. We're not when it talks about mind. We're not talking about feelings. Unfortunately, so many of us listen to our feelings so much, our mind makes this makes decisions based on our feelings. And I always say that our feelings are great uh, great servants, but they're terrible masters. But so many of us are mastered by our feelings, and we think that every feeling is the truth, and so therefore our minds make a decision based on our feelings, and our feelings are controlling our lives. So our feelings don't actually shape our lives, but our beliefs do. Once we believe whatever that feeling tells us, automatically that's, the, that's our truth, right or wrong. That has become our truth. And a lot of us were taught things about yourselves, ourselves as kids, that they just weren't true. And years later, you're still acting on false information. You're still living out of those things. But we're here to be transformed by changing our thoughts, by changing the way that we think. And you can change the way that you think. Number two is this reason is because my mind is the battleground for sin. This is the number two reason we need to change our thinking and how we think, because our minds are the battleground for sin. Temptation is actually not external. Temptation is not external at all. It is very internal, and it wouldn't tempt you if you didn't have a cooperative desire inside. 
this is, this is, this is revelatory right here. You've got to understand, if there wasn't a desire already inside that was cooperating with some kind of external temptation, then there would be no temptation that comes, comes in. Ex- I'm sorry, external situation. There would be no internal temptation. Because there is something inside of you, because of the way of your thinking, that is causing a desire inside to act upon that thing that you're seeing externally. And when that happens, that becomes a temptation. Romans 7.22 says this. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is connect, uh, concerned. My new nature loves God's will. But there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant. But instead, I find myself enslaved to sin. Anybody ever experienced that? I want my new, the new me really wants to do God's will and do it God's way. But boy, this old me that's inside of me ends up finding himself doing something else. And it, it could be, you know, as a result, it could be pride, could be lust, could be hatred. It could be anger, resentment, bitterness, worry. Where are those things at? They're in your mind. And this is one of the reasons so many of us are mentally fatigued because we're wrestling and wrestling and wrestling with these things in our mind. And their battleground, this battleground is going on and it is relentless and it's going on all day long. And if you don't understand this, you will think the battle is with someone else rather than with your old self. <laughs> Who God is trying to renew day by day. The real battle is with that. That split personality that we all have, that new person that really loves to do God's will, but against that old person who's struggling and has these desires that look nothing like God's will. And so there's a constant battle as one is trying to revive and one's trying to be put to death. But your enemy wants you to be tired and exhausted so you won't be able to resist his temptations right here in your mind. So sometimes you're conscious of the battle. And sometimes you're completely underwear. Sometimes the, 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 you're completely unobservant to the, to the fact that there's a desire waking up inside of you because of something that you see that the internal thinking, your methods of thinking that have yet to be renewed and transformed. And sometimes you're conscious. The reason those battles are so debil- debilitating is because they are intense. They are intense. And the reason they are so intense is because your mind is your greatest asset. Your mind is your great. If anything's going to happen in the world, if anything's going to happen in your family, if anything is going to happen in your finances, if anything is going to happen in your spiritual health, your physical health, it's going to start right here in your mind. And so where does the enemy want to attack? He wants to attack your mind so he can debilitate and cause destruction in every other area of your life. Satan wants to control your mind, and the world wants to control your mind. I'm going to re-wrap around here. Because my thoughts control my life, two was because my mind is the battleground for sin, and three is because it's the key to peace and happiness. Managing your mind, managing your mind is the key to your peace and understanding and joy. How you manage your mind is the key to your understanding, your peace, and joy. An unmanaged mind leads to tension. 
managed mind leads to tranquility and peace. So if you're finding yourself, your mind continually tense and full of tension, it might be because it's unmanaged. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure. A managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and chaos. A managed mind leads to confidence because you know who you are. An unmanaged mind leads to stress. You don't manage your thoughts. You just let them go all over the place. You don't even try to control your mind and the way you direct your thoughts. And the things that come into your mind, you just think that's reality and you let them flow around. This brings enormous amounts of stress into your life. And an unmanaged mind leads, uh, uh, sorry, a managed mind leads to strength and leads to security and it leads to serenity. Because I'm controlling my thoughts, I'm not allowing myself to be stressed out and tense and overwhelmed by everything else that my mind wants to take, take in. And I'm streamlined and I'm focused on what it is that's true, what is righteous, what is holy, and what is correct. Romans 8, 6 says, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, then there is life and peace. You, you, know, you know who's leading your mind and your thoughts if you're just feeling empty and dry. That dry bones rattling the song that we sang a while ago. When the Holy Spirit starts to wake you up and he's, he's starting to, to get in your thinking a little bit, you start to feel light and it feels peaceful. All of a sudden things feel, I came in with a heaviness, but I'm leaving really feel light on the inside. All of a sudden I feel revelatory in the sense of, man, I just feel so good. Well, the Holy Spirit starts to guide your thoughts, and you start to manage those thoughts, and you start to streamline those thoughts on what is true. And this week, actually, in our tribe, we're going to talk about five habits of, of controlling your mind mentally. But today, I'm going to give you three pillars of that. And a lot of people don't realize you can actually control your thoughts. Some say, well, my mind runs, and I, I just can't get, I can't get focused on anything. No, you don't try to control your thoughts. You don't try to focus on what is stable. You don't try to think, focus on what is peaceful. You don't try to focus on what is right. And I know. <laughs> I have experience in that. Let me give you a little side note of what I do. I have a notepad beside me. When I get into prayer or I'm in the Word and those thoughts start running through, I just write them down. Just write them down. Get it out of the way. Just get it out of the way and I can focus on what I am, I'm, I am doing. But Satan cannot control your thoughts. God doesn't even try to control your thoughts. It's actually 100% on you. 100% of it is, is on you. It's your mind, and he has given it to you to steward well. And what I need to make, what we need to make, is proper choices. So I've got to start to choose differently. And I don't just make these choices once, but I have to choose them moment after moment after moment. We're training ourselves to be renewing. We're being transformed by the renewing. And so it takes, just like a, if you're going to exercise, you have to continually do it or you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. And it's the same thing with your mind and your thought life. You can have to continually exercise the focus and the control over here's what I'm thinking. Here's what's true. Here's what's right. Here's what God's word says about who I am. Here's what's peaceful. Here's what produces life inside of me. And you, you, you set safeguards and boundaries for your, your mindset so that you don't allow the work of the enemy and the world to come in and confuse. Matthew 4, 4 says this. People need more, need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. You're 
not, it's, it's not about the food. It's about what you're feeding on. What are you feeding in your life? What are you feeding your life, your soul on? So when number one says this, I must feed my mind with truth. I must feed my mind with truth. And nu- nutritionists will tell you you need to eat good calories. Not all calories are created equal. You need to eat good calories because there's good calories that strengthen your body and they promote your body. They, they, they actually help good thinking. And then there's bad calories that are they, they're terrible. And you can see it and you can feel it. You ever, you ever eaten something and you're just like, man, it sounded so good, but oh, I feel terrible after I eat it. There's a lot of bad calories in that. And it's the same. Not every word is created the same. There's, there's, there's words that were put together that give life, and it's the Word of God. And whenever you, you've taken from the Word of God, you have life. You, have, you feel good, and you're starting to realign your life and shaping it based on what the Word of God says rather than what culture is saying or the world is saying or the lies that come through your head are saying. Got to feed on the Word of God. So how often do I feed my mind with truth? All the time. You know, I found that the eating lifestyle that I have is I can eat one fueling, what we call, about 100 calories every two to three hours. And it's just enough to get me through to the next two or three hours until I'm hungry again. But what it's doing is creating some metabolic strength. My metabolism, it it increases. The fat burn increases. I'm burning fat. Well, it's the same thing with the Word of God. I need to be in the Word of God, but I don't need to just eat a big fat meal and be and I'm good for the rest of the day. No, I need to ponder on the Word of God all day long. I need to take what I spent in the morning time. I need to take from that and meditate, put it into practice whenever competing thoughts come along, when competing voices come along, whenever doubts come along and discouragement comes along, because it does. We live in a world that's 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 tainted. We live in a broken world, a hurting world, and we have hurting people around us as well as we have our own hurts. And so as the as life happens throughout the day, nope. Here's what the Lord told me this morning. Nope, here's what I read this morning. Nope, here's what I read last week. Nope, here's how I handle that. Nope, that's not true about me. Nope, I'm not going to go there. Nope, I'm not going to look there. Nope, I'm not going to spend there. Nope, I'm not going to eat there. <laughs> nope, <laughs> not going to do it. But David, David's psalmist said this in 119, 147. says, I rise early to cry out for help. And to put my hope in your word. He's like, I rise up early, and I got to start putting my hope in your words early because, man, the sa- Satan attacks early. He, do- he doesn't take long. In fact, <laughs> I think he woke up my daughter about 4 a.m. or 3.30 a.m. this morning. She was literally jumping out of bed. I'm like, what is going on? What's going on? She goes, I, I just ha- I got bit by a snake. I said, baby, there's no snake in this bed said, yes, it was in my dream, and it bit me in the knee. I said, baby, you know what that is? That's God showing you that he is, you have a problem, and he's going to take care of it. And then this morning, we talked about it again this morning, and she, I said, well, what happened? She said, well, it was, it was going through the bed like this, and then it bit me right here on my knee. And so in the middle of the night, I prayed for her knee. But uh, then this the morning, I, she was explaining that, and I said, well, here's what happened. I said, remember what I told you? I said, God was showing you that there is a problem in your life, but you don't need to worry about that because he's going to take care of that problem. She goes, yeah, because it was cut like this. She showed me how the snake was cut in half. I said, see, there you go. That is God showing you he is going to take care of your, you don't have to worry about it. You're in a safe place. 
it was just a great teaching moment, but boy, Satan wants to distract. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. And let me tell you, he wants your children. He wants our children. And it's time for us to step up and say, no, Satan's not going to take my children. He's not going to take this next generation because he is after this next generation. And it's important for your voice to be heard the correct way, the godly way. It is good to burn with righteous anger, but it's very important that you speak from a godly perspective and you walk with godly humor and you pronounce what needs to be said truth that you step up, that you speak up, that you use your voice, especially in the way divided, and don't stay silent. Don't stay silent because silence is just a, is being passive and allowing Satan to come in. I'm hoping I wake you up on that one. That was, you got to have it. But every day, every day David would rise up and cry out and put hope in the, into, into the Father's word. Did you know there's 7,000 promises in the word of God? There are 7,000 promises. And if you don't have hope, there's 7,000 reasons that you can truly have hope. Now, there are premises that God says, if you'll do this, then I'm going to do this. We need to know the premises so that we can see the promises. And if you're, not, if, you're, if you're burdened and you're worried and you're concerned and you're, you're fearful and you're all those things, it might, be, it might be time that you become a promise, a promise believer, a promise reading believer. It might be that you start putting your hope in the promises of God. 119.97 says, Lord, how I love your word. I think about it all day long. I'm in your word all day long. Competing things are constantly challenging me and constantly want to discourage me and constantly want to distract me and constantly, constantly want to reroute my thinking. But I'm going to think about your word all day long. Psalm 16.7 says this, even in the darkness of night, your teachings fill my mind. Man, you got to have it. You got to have something healthy to meditate on. David was actually a fugitive for many years, and he wrote this, Psalms 119.95. says, when wicked people hid, hide, are hid to ambush and kill me, I quietly kept my mind on your decrees. Can you imagine? People were, wicked people were hiding to ambush and to kill him, yet he quietly stayed there. Lord, you're going you're gonna to do it. That's not your best for me, Lord. That's not what you have for me, Lord. I, that's not true. What they're saying, what they've done, that's not true, Lord. And I know it. And you have to work it in your heart because everything inside of you, all the, the passion, the desires, the emotion, the feelings are sitting there riled up and they're raging. And, and, and there's one to say, scream out and, and start to get angry and, and ambitious and, and, and aggressive towards the individuals or the thing or the circumstances or whatever it is, and inside you're training yourself with the word of God and saying, no, that's, that's not the truth. And you're waiting for that righteous anger to stir up inside of you, the, the unholy anger to turn into a righteous anger that burdens you in such a way that you're not just going to fire up and fizzle out, but you're going to fire up and you're going to stay going for the righteous things and go against injustice that's in this world. Because that's why Jesus has come, to, to change, to alter the injustice. And that's why, that's why we are the body of Christ, to affect and to reach out against, to change the injustices that are in this world. And we're not a very, we're not a very productive 
body of Christ if we're not going to connect with, we're not going to address, and we're not going to change the injustices that are in this world. No matter what's happening in my life, morning, noon, or night, I'm going to be meditating, I'm going to be in the Word of God. And that's called managing my mind. I'm focused on this. I'm not going to be distracted by that. So I must feed my mind with truth, and I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Anybody have those? I'm going to free my mind from destructive thoughts. Your mind needs to be liberated. Your mind needs to be set free. Your mind needs to be delivered. Your mind needs to be, your mind, not mind needs to find freedom. It needs to find freedom. You are a prisoner of things that are simply not true, whether they derive from you or from someone else. If the words are not true, or the, whether the words are true or not, it doesn't matter. If you believe them to be true, they have become true. If you believe them as yours, if you've taken them as your own, it's affected your life. If you've made it a part of how you see life and how you believe, you will begin to act in accordance to what that word was or is that has been spoken over you. You will live out of this. No, this is just who I am. This is just who I'm going to be. This is just what I've become to. So I must free my mind from destructive thoughts, but it's not easy. It's not easy. Anybody, any everybody, anybody ever watch tag team wrestling? Man, when I was growing up, that was, yeah, there we go. When I was growing up, the Von Erics were really popular. Anybody know the Von Erics? Yeah, everybody, they had some destructive thoughts, didn't they? Uh, that, they but they were some of my favorites. Uh, and, and usually it was like a tag team. It would be two wrestlers against another two, but you sometimes there would be multiple uh, multiple wrestlers. Well, in our lives, we have a tag team of three. We have three three forces working against us all the time, every day, from morning until night. We have three forces that are constantly trying to bring us down. And it's because you have these three forces working against you nonstop, which is why you're, our minds need to find freedom. And if you're going to have, if you're going to do it, you got to fight for it. Though, if you're going to find freedom, you got to fight for freedom. It doesn't come easy. The three forces that battle in your mind are this: number one is your old nature, that old man. Whenever the new man wants to do good, wants to do according to the word of God, that old nature just rises up. Romans seven twenty three says, "I see in my body a principle at war." These are war terms with the law of my mind, taking me captive to the law of sin. That dwells inside of me. You ever done something that you know you shouldn't have done? And, and, and probably were telling yourself it's wrong as you were doing it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. By the time you're done with that thing, you ever knowingly engage in a self-defeating behavior? In the middle of it while you're doing it, you know you're telling yourself not to do it. The new man was wrestling with the old man, and the old man in that situation was winning. What's going on there? It's a battle for your brain. It's a battle for your mind. Your old nature is not your friend. It's actually the source of all your bad habits. So when those bad habits start to emerge, that's old man. That, that's old thinking. That's, that's not who I am. Starting to practice the word of God. That's not who I am. Here, here's who I am. Here, here, here's who I am in Christ. Here's what the Word of God says over me. Romans 8, 5 says this, Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Notice he says it's a choice. 
But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about these things. And it, it's not because they have to. It's because they choose to think about these things that please the Holy Spirit. Now, I may have many good intentions on what I do in my life, but my old nature is going to battle me on every bit of it. And number two is you have an enemy that's Satan. Satan does not want you to be happy. He does not want you to live the good life. He does not want you to live the blessed life. Can we say that? Satan can't but wants to control your mind. He'll do all he can to slide in a thought that will confuse you, distract you, and keep you from being all that you're created to be. Let me be clear on this. Satan cannot force you to do anything. You know that that old saying, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. The devil did not make you do anything. His persuasion can be very strong, but greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, right? He is constantly and continually trying to plant evil thoughts in your mind. He'll use other people. He'll use other things. He'll use TV. He'll use social media. He'll use media. He'll use your best friend, whatever. He'll use your spouse. Whatever it is, he will try to use it and use them on a bad day. Even, have you ever been praying and the weirdest thoughts just run through your mind? They just run through. It's like, how can I be in the presence of the Lord? And I just thought that thing. You got two, you got two competing, two, two competing people at, at, at hand. You got the old nature. You got, and then you got Satan just speaking. It's a new one. He'll listen. Does that make sense? But you can't believe everything you think. And so many people think that everything they hear is from the Lord. And it's not. And some of it's from Satan. You can't listen to that. Some of it is from God. From Satan, it's usually temptation. From God, it's inspiration. And from you, it's always just stupidity. But, but, all, but all the negative talk, he wants you to give up on the day before you, it even really begins. If Satan can defeat you before your, light, your day has begun, you're already defeated. And you go into breakfast wanting to slap your spouse, spank your kids, and just want to give up and go back to bed. You show up to work, and you're the most angry employee in, on, the, on the staff, in the, play, in, the real, in the room, whatever the case may be. Like, man, what happened to them? They all get run over? No, Satan. Satan, Satan got in their ear. <laughs> and, if you're gonna, and if you're not meeting devil, the devil face to face in the morning, if you're not meeting him, you might need to check it because you might be going the same direction. So if you're not walking into a battle from the time you wake up and knowing how to manage your mind as you get into that battle and say, nope, here's, who, here's, who I, here's what I'm doing today. Here's how today's going to look. Here's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to think on. Then you might be going the same direction when there's really no competition. I didn't think about that. And sometimes he will even say, uh, you know what? Why don't you go ahead? You deserve it. You go ahead and do that thing. You go ahead and eat that extra cake. You go ahead and take a bite. You go ahead and take a lick. Just go to that site. It won't take long. Nobody wants that. Just give her a call. It don't matter. Just have it. Go over there to the secretary and say what's what over there. No big deal. Nobody's going to know. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says this. I've forgiven that man so that Satan won't outsmart us. But we're very familiar with his evil deeds. I've forgiven that man 
that Paul knew was an unforgiveness. There's a lot of open doors in our life. And when we carry unforgiveness, we're willing to, we got Satan just coming in and out of our life, just speaking little nasty thoughts and deceiving us along the way. And that old man doesn't have a chance, and that poor new man keeps getting beat up by the old man because the new man hasn't chosen to forgive. And the mind can't rest because of the open doors of unforgiveness that are there in that old man from the new man. Yet the new man has authority. And the new man has the word. The new man has the spirit of God living inside of him and say, no, I'm going to choose to forgive. And such and such, because this is how it made me feel when they did this and this and this. I'm going to forgive so and so also for such and such. And I'm going to go through that process. I'm going to forgive. But I'm not going to give Satan an opportunity to outsmart me in any way because he will he is looking for any opportunity he can to get in he's looking at every angle and satan wants to keep you in bitterness he wants to keep you in bondage he wants to keep you in resentment he wants to open up the the heavens the windows of unforgiveness and punishment on you because he can't stand you and all he has to do is get a little trick in and say you know what can't believe they did that. Can you believe they did that? Can you believe they said that? Can you believe? And then you start to take that little bait. So I got my old nature. I've got Satan. And then I've got the world's values. Enemy number three is the world's values. The world really isn't advocating self-discipline much, is it? You don't see a lot of commercials that, that really advocate you to really strengthening yourself and being more organized and being more structured and being more disciplined. It's, it's, it's have it your way. Have it like you like it. How about this one, uh, Mountain Dew, uh, obey your thirst. Basically saying, uh, obey your lust, your desires, whatever you're really hungry for on the inside, just do it. You should. You deserve it. You worked hard all week long so you can have it your way. TV, politics, media, movie stars, all leading you to live out your own passions and ways. 1 John 2, 16 says this, All that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. In other words, passion, possession, position, all right there success sex salary it's all right there no one is encouraging wise thinking these days it's no wonder people keep struggling though second corinthians 10 3 5 on the other hand says though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds we demolish any argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive. I want to show you a word in there. It's called a stronghold. I'm talking about strongholds. What is a stronghold? Got one up somewhere. Yeah, wherever it is. Stronghold. The next, the one previous, right down there. To demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? We're talking, we're talking about spiritual strongholds. There were strongholds that we talked about, that was talked about in the Old Testament. It was a, a safe place or a place where someone could 
lead from above and destroy an enemy. Well, a stronghold, a spiritual stronghold, is a lie that I believe. Let me give you some examples. Uh, God really doesn't love me. It's a lie. I, I know what I need is, is, is what I need is for me is better than what God has. That's a lie. What I want to do makes me happier than following God. That's a lie. A spiritual stronghold is anything that doesn't align with God's truth and you've taken it as your truth. False values are strongholds. Hedonism, just having pleasure. You just, you know what, just live a lifestyle of pleasure, doing whatever it is that you want. It makes you happy. You should do it. Or materialism. You know what, you've got it, just buy it, doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want to. Just have all the stuff. Just keep getting stuff. Once you get it ate up in that, you realize the stuff really doesn't please you. The stuff actually doesn't add any value to your life. And then it could be a personal attitude like, I'm never going to forgive that person. Stronghold. I could never forgive myself. Stronghold. I could, I'll never amount to anything. Stronghold. If something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. Stronghold. My marriage will never work. Stronghold. I'll never be able to get out of debt. Stronghold. Paul writes that if you're going to be a mentally healthy, you're going to have to demolish strongholds. You're going to have to get rid of the lies. Behind every sin is a lie that you believe. So we have to take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. And I don't know about you, let me tell you this. Even this week, I am, I am waiting for the righteous anger because of the 800,000 people, young people and kids that come up missing in America every, every year. And nobody's talking about it. And nobody's doing anything about it. We're worried more about an invisible enemy than kids that are becoming invisible. We're worried about something that's killing fewer people than are disappearing out from in front of us. This is ridiculous. It's absurd. And so in the middle of that, there's anger. And there's words that come across my mind that they don't reflect the, lo the Lord. <laughs> and there's some behaviors that rile up inside that don't feel like the peace of God that works within me. And so I can't act on that. And I've got to wait for it. I can't dismiss the fact that of the, the, the things that are burdening me that come from the Lord. I can't dismiss that, but I've got to wait for it to become righteous inside of me that burns with anger, that gives me the passion to see something through or empower others to do what it is that God's calling them to do in this area, to, to help the voice of those who have no voice, as Scripture tells us all to do. There's something that you have to wait for when the anger starts to burn and let the righteous anger begin to well up to give you mo motivation and power and inspiration and strength. But God's word says we take every thought captive so we have a choice what we will allow and what we won't allow into our minds. And we, ha we have a choice of how we will interpret it into life events and how we will decide things that we, 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 we choose to do thereafter. We have a choice. I have to take this thought captive, bring it to the obedience of Christ, work it around a little bit to see what it really looks like in the Word of God, and then I put it into action. 
but it doesn't always come out from this product, this 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 anger, this this bitterness, or this this first thought, this feeling, or this emotion. I got to work it around under God, and it's got to come out looking a little bit more humble. We miss this process, and we end up looking like the world in our attitudes. We end up handling situations. The old nature is speaking out rather than the new nature being able to have a chance to wrestle this thing around, wrestle the old man down so that the new man can revive. And the reason so many have failed at life or don't enjoy life is because they haven't learned to fight the battle in the mind. I'm tired. I've given up. Depression, anxiety, battle in the mind. So how does temptation work anyway? Well, James 1, 14, 15 says this. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. Our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions, and then the evil actions lead to death. So it started, man, I had a desire that the temptation partnered with, and then it led me to do something because of my choices. I wasn't controlling my thinking, and man, that action wasn't very good. Shouldn't be doing this. Why are you doing this? Nathan, don't do it. You're in the middle. Don't do it. You're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to like what happens after that. The consequences are coming. You shouldn't do it. You're in the middle of it. You've done it. And I don't know what happened. You know, it was just a one-night stand. No, it wasn't. It was many choices, many thoughts that you allowed to work inside of your mind over a long period of time that you begin to get comfortable with. So that the one day when that one night stand would become an opportunity, it was easy for you to make that decision, though you know you shouldn't have. You had already conditioned yourself to go ahead and do that. Temptation turns routine desire into a runaway desire. It can, it can even be from a natural desire. It could be sex. It could be well-being, it could be anything of that nature, which God has given man. There's nothing wrong with these. But when it starts to control your life, when you get that burn inside, and it just has to happen, it has to produce something, and then it starts to take control, and it starts to affect your decision-making, you got a problem. You got a problem. So step number, step number, well, sorry about that. So how temptation works is this. Step number one is desire. It starts with a desire, according, according to James. And if you don't have a desire for something, then there's no temptation. You ever notice how some people are tempted by something that others are not? Well, there's a desire inside of some of these, some, just not in others. But this person has temptations that this person doesn't have. Because there's a desire inside. Why? Because it starts from a thinking. There's some thinking that hasn't been taken captive. And whenever they see this thing or smell this thing or this thing comes across or this idea happens, then it meets a desire that's based on a thought that hasn't been taken, ta- taken captive to the obedience of Christ. I hope you're seeing a, a really amazing spiritual equation here. If I just start to work on my desires, which are connected to a lie, I believe, I can start changing my thinking. And if I change my thinking according to the word of God, I'll start believing truth, even about me. Even if I don't think it right now, I'm going to believe it because that's what God's word says. And it might change my desires, which also will affect me from being tempted so easily. And 
I might not live a life of wavering all over the place and nobody can keep up with me because I'm so distracted. I can continually self-destruct. I continually have problems. I continually have bad relationships. I continually have bad finances. I continue to get fat when I lose weight. I continue to, use, I continue to look ugly when I'm really pretty. I can, whatever it is, I continually have relationships when I shouldn't be. It's self-destructive because it's a lie believed because it starts with a thought. Desire, temptation meets it, and reaction follows through. So it turns a routine desire into a runaway desire. And step two is this, it's doubt. Anytime you start doubting something, anytime you start to, start, sorry, sorry, uh, anytime you start to desire something unhealthy or you want it in, un- in an unhealthy way, doubt is setting in. It's doubt that God's best is for you. So if I'm desiring something that's unhealthy or in an unhealthy way, maybe it isn't a healthy thing, but I want it in an unhealthy way, then I'm not trusting God that he has best for me, something better for me. I'm not trusting God that he has what I need, and I'm saying, I'm going to take it from me. So I'm starting to doubt. Doubt that God's best, you say, like the serpent did to to Adam and Eve. Did God really say don't have sex out of marriage? Did he really? You know, Satan starts to try to to tempt you, try to cause doubt. Did God really say forgive that person and don't be angry? Did God really say it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? Did God really say those things Adam and Eve they were in a perfect situation no clothes no kids it was paradise and they messed it up messed it up what more would you want and the serpent tries to get you to doubt what God says is true did God really say don't eat for the the fruit from that tree you know what he wanted he knew that as soon as you eat from that tree, you'll, just, you'll be just like him. You see how he starts to work on our desires? And then he starts to create doubt within those desires. And every time you give in to temptation, you're believing a lie. And number three, deception starts to come in. And when I start to give room for doubt because of my desires, man, all of a sudden... And I've meditated on the wrong thing all day long because Satan did something and my wife didn't act just like I wanted her to. And my kids won't get dressed and get ready for Twayla school. And it's 831 and she's supposed to be there at 830. And oh my goodness, I don't know if they're an acceptor. And I can't keep her today. I got things to do. Step three, deception comes in, and Satan attempts to trade God's truth with his lie. You won't surely die if you eat from this tree. God knows you'll be just like him. You'll be as smart as he is. If you eat, no, you surely won't die. But God said, if you eat from it, you will surely die. Temptation comes from the lure, James said, from the lure of our own desires, our own evil desires. The question is, you, ever, you know what a lure is? You ever been fishing? 
Y'all know what a lure is? You can go fishing up here any, anytime you want, by the way. But you're going to need a lure and some bait on it. The question is this. What bait is Satan continually using to hook you? Because there's something in your life, it may be going well, but all of a sudden, something happens, and boom, you've taken the bait. Somebody says something that maybe sounds like something a parent said, or someone in an old relationship said, an old boss said, a pastor said, such and such said. And man, when that happens, boom, triggered, angry, hostile, Saint on, Saint on the hook. Satan's got you. He's constantly throwing out the bait. Do you even know what the bait is that he's continually using? Do you even recognize in your own life that you just took the bait? Do you recognize when you lose it, when that old man rises up? Do you recognize when you just went from Jesus to Judas? Do you know what just happened so you can identify the thought life that's behind that that triggered the anger, the bitterness, the resentment inside of you that, that just sent you off? You know what that bait is that Satan continually goes to in his tackle box, specifically for you. Because it leads to step four, and that's disobedience and deceit. What began in the mind gets translated into action, and then it becomes sin. You've got to get this. My attention becomes an attitude, and my attitude becomes an action. What you put your attention towards is going to affect your attitude. And when it's not checked according to the Word of God, when it's not checked with the new man, oh, the action's not going to look good. And you're going to wish, what did I do? What was I thinking? Where was my attention? What am I going to do now? And this is what happens in the battlefield of your mind. Sin always has consequences that follow. You don't get to choose, unfortunately, the consequences of your actions. Allie and I were joking to this week, and she said, you're the, you, you told me I love you first. I said, well, I was, I was just doing that to move the relationship forward. And I said, I'm still paying for the consequences. <laughs> I came back, and I told her I love her sometime that one that pokes to try to get something out of her. But it's fun. I like to see the old Miss the old Alley. What you sow you will reap. And unfortunately the consequences continue on for as long as God says this is what's going to take. We don't get to choose the consequences. The consequences don't just leave because we ask for forgiveness. We find forgiveness. We seek forgiveness. We can do all those things, and we should. But we also need to accept the consequences, embrace the consequences, and allow those consequences to chain you, that old man, into the new man. 
but the new man has to walk this life out because this is part of changing, a heart change, a mind change, a temperature change, an internal temperature change, a mindset. And every time you look at that thing, yep, that's that decision. Or every time you remember that thing, that's what that decision caused. And it helps you to make wise decisions, take those thoughts captive to control your thinking that you say, no, I'm not going to act on that. You may be raging on the inside, but you're not going to let it out. You're not going to let it loose. It's got to come down according to the word of God. And then it's got to be touched with grace and love and mercy so that it can be the truth, the true truth, because it's the word of God that brings truth. It's the word of God that brings healing. It's the word of God that brings change. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's the word that brings freedom into the lives of others. Psalms 119 and 112 says, I have made up my mind to obey your word, your laws, your truth forever. I don't care what anybody says to me, no matter what happens. I don't care. I have learned, probably through punishment, trials, and circumstances, but I have learned finally that I will obey your word and I will live it out in my life and in my lifetime. So I must feed my mind with your truth. I must feed my mind, free my mind from destructive thoughts. And three, I must focus my mind on the right things. I got to focus my mind on the right things. I got to think about Jesus, the right things. 2 Timothy 2.8 says this, keep your mind on Jesus Christ. Keep your mind set on Jesus Christ. Nope, here's what the Lord did. Here's what the Lord suffered with. Here's what the Lord went through. Here's what the Word of God says. Hebrews 12.3 says, think about Jesus' example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him, so do not get tired and stop trying. When you start taking every thought captive, let me tell you, you will be mentally exhausted and tired, and you will want to give up and throw in the rag, throw in the towel, and say, no, I'm done. I'm just going to splurge on whatever it is my old man wants, and I'm telling you, don't do it. Go take a nap, eat a sandwich, whatever it is, but don't give up on wrestling those thoughts because the old man, Satan, and the outside voices are never going to give up, so you have to be strengthened in your mind, and you have to be stronger in how you're going to handle depression, handle anxiety, handle the suicidal thoughts, handle the worry, handle the fears, handle the financial doubts. When they come about, because they will come about, you have to already know in advance what you're going to do. You're going to have to already decide you're going to obey the Word of God. You're not going to get tired, and you're not going to stop trying. You won't quit. You've got to think about others, too. You've got to think about others. Don't Philippians 2, 4 says, don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others as well, too. I mean, what they're doing. So I'm thinking about Jesus, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm considering others. You know, we need relationships. You do know that. We need healthy social interactions. There's something about when you're depressed, you're anxious, you're, you're, you're in this funk, and you get around people, you get especially when they're God-loving people, and they just give you life, and you feel better. All of a sudden, something just changes, and you're like, "Wait a minute, life's not so bad. It was hell five minutes ago, but you arrived at a party with friends, and all of a sudden, it's heaven and it's wonderful." What is that? Being concerned about others.
others and others being concerned about you and knowing that there are truly people out there that love your well-being and it's not about themselves. Being concerned about others. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. And here's the most counterculture truth that I can tell you today. It is not about you. It is not about you. Life is not about you. Not about you. At all. And you won't find life. You won't begin to thrive. You won't begin to walk the inspired and life-giving, spirit-filled, enjoyable life until you give up thinking about you. Give up it's all about me lifestyle. Give up this all about me I attitude, what I want. When you start thinking about others, when you start giving it up for others, when you start giving it over for others, when you start laying your da- life down for others, there will be a value that's lifted up inside of you because what's happening is God says, now my son, my daughter has my heart for others, my, has my heart now I can bless them, I can, I can show them the benefits of the kingdom of God, I can give them, I can resource them, I can give them everything that they need to do the work that I've destined and called them to do. And life, those dry bones rattling, begin to come together and they begin to strengthen you for whatever it is that God has created and purposed you for. But it only happens when you start to lay down your own desires and your own wants for what it is that you wish it was, wish life was. And you will truly find life, and it's going to find life, life more abundantly, doing things God's way. And number three is thinking about eternity. Thinking about eternity. Colossians 3, 2 says this, Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. Let heaven fill your thoughts. I'm thinking about Jesus, I'm thinking about others, and I'm starting to think about heaven. When I started to think about heaven, God began to give me insight, vision. Here's the things I want to do in this world. Here's how I want to change the injustices in this world. And here's how I want to use the righteous anger that I burdened you with to empower you and strengthen you to bring the change in this world. Here's how I want to resource you to bring the change in this world. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eyes has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I gotta strengthen my mind. I gotta choose what I'm gonna feed on. I gotta feed on truth. I've gotta remove my mind, get free, get set free from lies, distracting thoughts, discouraging words, little things that flee through my mind and and distract me. I've gotta get free from destructive thoughts so I can focus my mind on the right thing. It's time that we start to take every thought captive and not let them flow out of our feelings, through our mouths, and into this world that bring equally destructive actions as what the culture in the world is already doing. Prejudice is not fought with prejudice. Discrimination is not battled with discrimination. Racism is not confronted with racism. 
it's got to be wrestled out a little bit, and it's got to be worked out from the old man and the new man, and they've got to they got to go to war with each other, and the new man has to say, Lord, help me. And as I'm thinking about Jesus, and I'm considering others, and I'm focused on the eternity, I start to hear what God wants to do. And when I have revelation, I'm inspired, and all of a sudden, I have everything I need, I need to confront the injustice in this world. But it all starts with changing the process of our thinking, being transformed by the renewing of our mind, and controlling our thoughts and not letting our thought life run wild. Let me pray for you. our mind on the truth of your word. Father, I ask that you help set us free, help us to find freedom from destructive thoughts. Father, I pray for your empowering grace to strengthen every one of us to live the new man as the new man that's revived empowered and strengthened by every word that comes from your mouth. That from this day forward, from this point on, we will choose to live and love and trust according to your word and your word alone. So Father, I pray for every hurt, every wound, every every heart that's carrying bitterness today, that's carrying anger and unforgiveness. We just pray for the empowering grace to release those things back to you and to seek and find forgiveness and to receive forgiveness, Lord, so that healing can set in and minds can be set free once for all. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We ask that you use our bodies, your service, Fight back.